there's one truth, and mm -hmm. it all comes from Him. Isn't that, that is beautiful. The source of truth. <clears throat> is that sun in your eyes? Hey, it's only about, what time is it now? 6.41. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, I know, I can't believe you that. You want to move over to here? Just move uh, your it's, it's You'll be in the shade. Um, yeah, maybe in a bit. You know, I was thinking, when we talk about truth and the need for truth, Sometimes when we're discussing things of the eternal nature, you know, we say, well, you know, you can have your idea and some things we just aren't going to know until that day. But there's other things that I think it's not good to just say, well, you believe this and I'll believe this and one day we'll all know the truth because there's certain things that I believe change, change us in the inner man when we come to see them and you... At some point, if you do that, you just end up throwing out the scriptures and their purpose. Their purpose, right, yeah. If you, for the sake of not having contention. And That's one of those, I think one of those areas is what we talk about so much is eternal life and also the nature of God. And I don't, I don't think it's profitable or a good place to be to, to end up at a place where you say, well, I'd, you know, I believe that the eternal resting place of the souls of men is to return to their creator or to be a son of perdition. And to take that against, well, I believe that there's in, you know, in multiple places that we go when we die and based on how good we are or what we were willing to receive and just let those two opinions um, live together side by side in a body of people who come to gather to worship their creator, you know, supposedly once or twice or three times a week and and then in their everyday life, for that body of people and that group of ministers who lead that people to have those two notions or even a wrong notion continuing to be there with the thought that, well, we'll, we'll all find out in the end. Well, yeah. that doesn't do anything for my soul here yeah. because when that's that's um, that's an issue that's not just something that we look at and study, but it's the very nature of God and his work and his glory and his purpose and his ability to save us and, and, and him being the source of, I mean, we all came from him. We, we, we were brought into being by him. And I don't think we, I don't know that the concept or the understanding there is there that we have to return to him and be with him to be complete. And that, that's when he says, this is my work and glory to bring about the eternal life of man. That carries a lot of weight and a lot of meaning other than we just don't die. It's, it's like <laughs> wow. to be alive and to be fulfilled and to be a part of the purpose of being created. And that's to, to participate and be a part of this eternal love, this, this eternal being to know, you know, and to know like he knows and to understand. <laughs> I mean, truth just seems to expand and expand and expand, you know, it just keeps going. Mm -hmm. And to know all of that mm -hmm. and to be part of that is it's the nature of God. And, and to twist that and say, you little beings are going to be here and there and everywhere, you know, based on what you're capable of doing. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm, when, when, yeah. you, when the story doesn't play out through the entire 
recorded history of scripture and him working with us, it doesn't it doesn't say that that's how it is. It says the, yeah. almost the opposite. And then to take one little notion and one little place in time in the 1800s and have that all turned around, it just doesn't fit. But it's <clears throat> but I guess so. And we've talked about that enough, but it's maybe not enough. But the fact is that to allow to allow that way of thinking to continue in a body of people by a body of ministers who are supposed to be shepherding them and leading them to me is not satisfactory. It's not a place that I want to stay or even quit working towards. And so sometimes that feels alienating, but I don't think it's okay to just sit that on a shelf and say, well, we'll all figure it out someday. Yeah, we'll find out. What kind of fruit does that produce in us then? Exactly. what, What kind of ability do we have to bring the gospel to other people if that's where we land and end up. I really believe, I mean, what you just said, I love love that. I really believe this um, might be one of the reasons why maybe the, the church collectively has been so ineffective in evangelizing people. It's like, you know, pretend you're God for a minute and you have all these people who don't get the right story. Well, how many millions of people do you want to get converted to a story that isn't quite right? I mean, now, through time, it's like you, you see that doctrine hasn't always been understood, and God blesses people anyhow, but it's like in the last days, the prophecy is that the true, the true word goes out, and it's the word of Joseph, the words that we have recorded in the Book of Mormon, to set the record straight. But I've thought about that. I thought maybe the day of uh, this... Uh, Great evangelism will be great just because we're telling the right story now. That's that's so important. I would. That's so true, Corey. Because as we, as I was just talking a minute ago, I was thinking, you know, there there are many people that have come into this world and left without ever knowing anything more than you know, heaven and hell, and God is good, and we're to be good to each other. You know, without knowing the whole story, and and that doesn't. I mean, they're going to be with God as much as anybody. So, but it's like our, it just feels like our calling and our duty and our mission in this period of time, because we have this gospel restored to us through the Book of Mormon, gives us a little different perspective and mission than Christians even 100 or 200 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Because this is the last days, and and I think we do need to, like the whole story. This is the time for it to be told as 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 <laughs> as the grand finale comes, right? We just had fireworks, and everybody saves the big <laughs> finale with the boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Well, the grand finale is coming, and so this is the time to be messengers of the whole story mm-hmm. and the and the true story, the complete story that's powerful to change the hearts of men, especially when. There's this great movement of non-truth and non-religion, you know, in the world. Yeah, and, you know, that whole non-religion that's growing is, is all based on, I think it's it starts in the seeds of, well, we can't know for sure, so let's not talk about it. You know, it's like that just, that's a, a weed that grows and grows and grows to get... To the point where, like, especially in our youth, you know, the 
the greatest population I think of people leaving the church are the you know young adults in in the church the Christian church in general because they're bombarded with these ideas you know new new ideas about uh, just do whatever you want to do it doesn't matter yeah <clears throat> and you we were talking about a um, a book you shared a book with me about um, oh this this phenomenon of people deciding whether you know they want to be a boy or a girl and how that takes you take one individual and with the way social media is where you can get information uh, at, at any time of the day and not only that but it it, it seeks you out oh, yeah. once you once you look at something and it manipulates you when you take a bunch of young people that are that are on their phone you know, in their hand 24 seven and they start feeling like, well, my life's not right. Let's figure out why do I, why am I not happy? And it's just like anything else, whether you're seeking fulfillment by, you know, tattooing and piercing and, and trying to get your emotions going or, you know, these poor young, I prefer cutting. Yeah. Well, the, the right. poor young girls or young people that are cutting themselves to feel something. And, and then, there was that phenomenon of anorexia and bulimia in one person. But now you have like these groups of people in, I was reading this book, this study where it was by a Jewish lady. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was studying this and, and it's, it's not even the data is changing. It's not this odd outlying experience but it's like groups of people at once are like coming to this realization well maybe i'm supposed to be a different a boy or a different gender or yeah and it's all it's all since the advent of the iphone you know they, right i think they said that phenomena rose like four thousand percent since 2007 when you know now 95 percent that's when the iphone became in everyone's hand and uh you know today in america 95 percent of teenagers have have a phone and you, all of a sudden, it's the axis of all these voices that were muffled and muted and distant before that are now prevalent, constantly in their face, ears, mind, <clears throat> and uh, and it's the influence. You know, it's just, Satan's great at slow manipulation. You know, yeah, and at the same time, as as these things take place, to be able to um, not speak against it. And actually, in places now, having that be a crime and yep. having that be punishable, <laughs> uh, I, I, who would have thought that that would have, it's like archaic. Yeah, where you, you can't share truth now, you're labeled as a hater or, uh, or um, toxic or whatever. I didn't know that, uh, well, I read it, I think I read in that book that, uh, you know, like, common in a lot of college places, like your first class to introduce yourself and say what you want to be called <laughs> that's what it is now so <clears throat> i can't remember the young woman's name but she escaped north korea and uh has a youtube channel now where she lives here in america and she speaks out against north korea's leaders and communisms uh, but she uh she was in college about the time she left then she came here and because she was so popular i think she was granted a scholarship to a major ivy league school i think it was Cornell or Columbia, one of these, and she uh, she gets over here and she's got a YouTube video. Maybe I can find the link and share it, where she is like, she's reprimanding the people. She said, "You guys are, 
because of what you just said, going on these campuses and acting like, you know, there's there's no gender definition. There's thousands of fluid genders and all these things. And she said, you guys under are under worse bondage than my people were in North Korea. This is what this girl says. She says, and it's all your ideas and you, you're calling yourself free. But you said, you don't realize the traps you're you're laying for yourself mm -hmm. and and uh, it's amazing hearing her story she shares about a lot of things about life in korea but she specifically speaks against this movement of these ideas that are now being somehow drilled into people's minds that they're facts you know that you're you're born in the wrong body you know and all this and it's like oh my gosh that ha that's what happens when you don't acknowledge a supreme being and a supreme set of yeah. laws and a supreme authority yeah you just you know because then you just make up your own reality. What if you weren't created by an intelligent being that had a, a intelligent way of of living and existing? Then why do you think your way is is right or even well? I guess there is no right. Like it's just I will do what I want to do with no obedience or submission to any other thing. Here's here's the test. And when you said that, the Book of Mormon makes it so clear and simple to judge. I always thought it can't be that easy because the Book of Mormon simply says, hey, whatsoever leads you to God basically is good. Whatever leads you away from God is bad. That's how you know. And you look at all these movements like is no one's coming to God from all this. They're, they're all turning away from God. And it's like, there's your proof right there that, that none of this is good. This is not reality. Yeah. It's simply, none, of, none of these people are being led to God. They're being led to themselves as being God, right? You know, either God is God or you are God. That's what life comes down to. And, and none of these are causing people to fall on their knees and worship God, you know? It's like we've gotten so far away from that simple reality, that way to judge. And, um, you know, I, the, the, the urgings of Satan, his power is so much powerful than what we understand, but it works on our minds. And, and if we don't come back to that simple way to judge, we'll never depart from those iniquities. You know, we have to admit these things are not bringing people to God, you know. Yeah, that, one of the things that I think I read in, in, um, in that book, which, what's, what's the name of that book? Oh, Irreversible Damage. Irreversible Damage. One of the things I read in there that was interesting was, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought, but it's going to come back to me. Just listen to birds sing for a little bit. It'll come back. <laughs> God. Oh, yeah. Um, so when these therapists and doctors and, and the way they manipulate the parents or take away their authority and, and tell them, you know, you'd rather you'd rather have a um, a living son, a living son than a dead, a dead daughter. daughter for talking about like a female that wanted to become something different. Right. That's that's completely from the mindset of the next 30 or 40 years on this temporary planet. But what you're, would you rather have, you're spiritually dead. When you take this, the spiritual and the eternal realm out of it, it's like, okay, so, but what's the value of a beating heart that goes on for 60 years if there's no interchange to become more Christ-like and God-like? Yeah. As a matter of fact, what you're doing is, is psychologically and in so many ways going to keep you from that creator. And so it's like there's a death anyway. Yeah. And that's what happens when you take God out of the <laughs> equation. And it's ultimately, it's just like so many things, whether it's people who drink alcohol to ob obsession or uh, excess or people who 
consume sugar to excess or, you know, people who just whatever their, their lust is, you know, it can be visual, it can be sensual. These things that we're discussing, they're just another form of obsession. All of a sudden, someone's totally obsessed with their body, and it's like, you know, I, that's, I, I, our bodies are our vehicle for our spirit, but all of a sudden, this turns it into constantly thinking, okay, I have, you know, I, I don't have to wake up every day and think, you know, gosh, I'm a man. What do I need to do to prove I'm a man, you know? But it's like, then in the minds of, of other people who are going through this, it's like, that's their thought from beginning of the day to end of the day to the next day. And it's like, you know, it just, it, life takes on a whole different unfortunate reality, which is not the reality God wants us to live mm -hmm. by. That mm -hmm. is interesting. I don't, I haven't really thought about that, but not when I think about myself, when I get up in the morning and what's my whole thing, I think during the day is, you know, how, well, number one, how can I get through the day without <laughs> hating other people? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and, but it's mostly like the things of eternity are on my mind all day. Like what's my, and I know it's not even in a healthy way most of the time, but it's like, what's my status? Am I, am I living good? Am I doing the right thing? And most of the time it's like, why am I not doing better in this situation? Why am I experiencing these emotions and and anger when I know it's not there or or mm -hmm. lust or or fear but at least that's all coming from a place of I know there's a standard and I want to achieve that standard I want to I want to get to that standard in my life and that's just coming from my background and the right. way I've been raised right. and, and to have that I can't imagine growing up you know or waking up and the whole thing of the day is to I have to prove that um that I'm okay, even though I'm, yeah, I'm gonna be in this sin forever, proving yeah. that it's okay and that yeah. it's right. And these these things, you know, that that happen. There's complex emotional and psychological needs that are present before that person mm -hmm. ever makes that decision. And that's the shame of this: is that those things aren't addressed. Our society, even people who are, you know, <laughs> which is amazing to me that even our medical community, which is not supposed to be politically engaged, you know, they're being forced to be either muffled, you know, or being ostracized, or, you know, if they speak against this. But, you know, what what part of the Hippocratic Oath uh, uh, tells tells a surgeon, well, you know, remove the breasts of a woman and give some, give that person lots of testosterone to make that person appear as a boy because you haven't changed them into a male you've just made them appear as a male you mm -hmm. know it's like every cell of your body is still x x chromosomes as far as i understand biology and but the, the problem is and this is this is the not to go far into that depth this is the problem of all sin is that our problems are in our emotion and our spirit and what we try to do is satisfy the spiritual void in our life by something physical. That's why we overeat, that's why we smoke, that's why we drink, that's why we pursue pornography, that's why we live selfishly is because it's the flesh and it's the will of the spirit and the will of flesh. And sometimes people have deep-seated emotional uh, needs that become spiritual voids because they were never addressed and corrected. And then it, 
this becomes the outward act of it. It's, and this is the age-old battle through all of humanity's time is that, you know, it's the power over the flesh. And what Satan wants us to do is seek what is never satisfying, what, what can never be satisfied is, oh, satisfy this problem of yours through your flesh. You know, change your body, do whatever, you know, have a homosexual relationship, do, do all these things. And it's like... <clears throat> The problem is that it's a spiritual need, it's an emotional need that needs attention first, and that's where you fix it. You know, it's, it's to say things in a different way, too. When we get angry, you know, Satan wants us to yell and scream and hate on people and, and, and you know, use um, oh, just his tools of, of hatred, and um, yet his tools and methods don't work on him. You know, it's just, he laughs when we try to, you know, when we fall into his trap. In other words, the, the ways of the spirit are, you know, those, these ways of righteousness and prayer and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm saying this as a sinner who has not perfected that by any means. But the point is that he, he wants us to react in the physical and emotional where the problems have to be solved in the spiritual. And, and that's the root of all problems is this separation from God, which causes sin, which causes all these things in this fallen world and until we become reconciled to God these problems never uh, go away they never get resolved yeah. I read a book I read a book in the past couple of weeks um, by a African African American lady called Sintoya Brown mm. she was um, well I the crazy thing was I found out about this because I was listening to a true crime podcast about a 16-year-old that had murdered a guy. Hmm. And this this girl, when her mom was pregnant, she drank like a fifth of vodka a day through her pregnancy. Hmm. And her mom was uh, promiscuous and, and she was raised by um, seeing men treat women bad and... She, she was adopted, but at an early age, abused sexually, and eventually was uh, came into a relationship with an older man, and and he was prostituting her, and and she's you know 15 years old, mm. and she learned that it you know you do things for people, but then you have to give them your body in return for that, and that was just the way it was, and basically we, today we would call it sex trafficking and grooming, and that's that's what happened to her. And, and um, she finally ran out from this one guy one night and was at a Sonic drive-in, and this, this other guy was there and picked her up and asked her if she was okay and ended up taking, him, taking her back to his house, and then he expected this return favor, and something snapped that night, and she ended up taking out a gun, and she shot this guy and killed him. 16 years old, 15 or 16 years old. And she owned up to it and she ended up you know going to trial and they thought for sure she'd be tried as a juvenile tried as an adult life prison life in prison no no getting out and this book is the story of redemption and her battle through that whole process and coming to Christ and understanding his love and she at the end said she ended up the governor of Tennessee ended up commuting her sentence, like freeing her. Mm. 
which was crazy. And, and, and his testimony of Christ in his life that led him to do that mm. was, even, was even remarkable as well. But she said, prison saved my life because mm. if I hadn't gone to prison, I never would have had to face what was going on inside of me. And mm. she's very intelligent, super intelligent woman, wrote this book, um, has gone, gone on to get her bachelor's degree and things in prison. And she said, I never would have been forced to confront that that part of what's going on inside, I would have just continued doing what I was doing and, and probably ended up dead anyway. Wow. And so, so from that perspective, she said it saved my life. But this, that story of redemption, when you come to um, see the truth and, and the love that's behind everything and just know that there is a God and that you're, when she found out she was accepted by him and didn't have that need to be accepted by men anymore mm-hmm. it was yeah. a great change and it was just it was a wonderful book wonderful you, you know on that thought if people in that life in general uh, growing up I always had this awareness that there were people I knew maybe age mates or people older but they were so caught up in the world and into sinful things that you know I could never tell them about just quote my church because it's it seemed it was too too unique and refined and technical and I always felt like it never it ha- it had a message for people who were already coming seeking but I could never figure out how to share the message with people at that level someone caught up in prostitution mm-hmm. or some caught up here but as I read the book of mormon now I realize its message of redemption is so clear, and I never understood it, that, that God's purpose is to let us know that we can be freed from all that sin and that, that it can be totally removed and that there's a guilt-free life he offers to us. You know, And it's so contrary to this message that we were always kind of falsely told by people who didn't understand that, well, Again, the only people who are really saved were the ones who were the best here anyhow, and you're never going to be that, but you'll, you won't die, but you'll go somewhere else. You know, it's like this, this, this God that we worship that's revealed through this precious book of truth tells us that, no, it can all be wiped away. And it's like, it's a, it's a message. This Book of Mormon is a message for people who are down and out on the street. You know, it, it really is and really can be if it's told with straight up the way the message is presented, not our spin on it, mm-hmm. not our twist, that no, there is a way and it's no different than these other people who came to God who are the worst of sinners who said, I'll give up all my sins to know you, you know. Well, think about this. I think what I liked about this story was I was thinking about it and this, so what she said, prison saved my life. One of the things in prison, and because she was intelligent and had that gift, there was a college in um, in Tennessee that had this where they would take like 14 or 15 students a year and allow them to attend college classes with the students that were not in prison. Like they would all sit in the oh, same wow. class. Yeah. And it was good on both sides for both of them. And But to do this, you had to have certain behavior. Like if you were getting demerits or, or getting write-ups in prison, you couldn't, you couldn't go be one of these participants. She had to apply for it and write it. 
So she realized that, okay, my behavior, I've got to quit uh -huh. acting out. I've got to quit fighting with everybody. And, and so there were things that were helping her, you know, realize there was an authority that you have to submit to. Mm. And that carried over into the spiritual realm. But think of uh, today when we talk about no, no source of truth and people are allowed to, we have to accommodate everybody where they're at and reinforce their sin is okay. Yeah. That, that the purpose of prison and authority and submitting is isn't is to bring about a, a, an effect. And if we in the spiritual realm aren't doing that with people, then it's just like that if this lady had never gone to prison and she just continued to live that life on the mm. street, there would have been no change, no confronting of what's wrong. Hmm. Yeah, and that's where it started. That's interesting that you put it like that because that I was just thinking that's a, again where the missionaries who went to the Lamanites start their stories. You have to confront what's wrong and you have to right realize there is an right. authority it's called God. And that's what that's what I me when I say if you're going to trust your creator you have to trust your creator to even put you in prison to bring you to him wow. to save your life wow. and I'm using our terminology here but also in the eternal realm if you go to the prison house it, it's to save your life it's not to punish you for eternity hmm. and it carries on and so I could just picture in a spiritual realm, like, I have to trust you, God, that you're going to do whatever it takes to give me every opportunity to see the truth mm. and realize the consequences of not submitting to you. That really helps. That really helps me realize that in low times of life, hard times, that, you know, it's it's still all part of his good and glorious work to bring us each back to him to save us, you know, not to just forget us or punish us. Well, yeah. And, and that, like like life isn't meaningless. And you can see by the, this girl, she had a wonderful, wonderful uh, foster mom who was with her throughout, and, and she was with her when she got out of prison, always stood by her, always loved her, um, was always there for her. And you, a lot of people don't have that. I mean, there's, there's still, you know, most people go to prison, they don't have that kind of, I mean, that's why the book's, popular because it was it's a miracle it's a fantastic story of redemption and we love to see those stories but they don't happen often yeah but that's the story for every human is god's going to do everything it takes to to bring you back to him hmm. i prefer to do it willingly on this side of the veil that's to try to submit my flesh to him and try to um, get on that path of. Yeah, so what does that look like? I mean, in a, when we talk about that submitting our flesh on this side, I mean, is it, is it a thought process that changes? Is it a habit that we have to form or? Well, I don't, uh, for me personally, where for my journey in life and being how I was raised, as, as acknowledging that there's a God, the one big piece for me is continually renewing my mind and filling it with who he is yeah. by reading the word, but also thinking and meditating on what I've read and who he is and seeing him as he really is. And that's, 
So for my personal journey, it's recognizing his ability to save me also changes me. Not this false, you know, easy type of mm. salvation. Mm. For other people, though, like you said, with like the Lamanites and those that are just so enmeshed in worldly sin, I think it's it's a lot different for them. Hmm. Looks like those leaked out. I'm touching one of my hummingbird feeders, realizing my hummingbirds are being deceived. They're coming in, and I think the, the liquid leaked out last night. I just put new stuff in, but it's a new type, and the bottom isn't screwed on tight. So they don't have any food. Uh, luckily, this time of year, there's still so I've much for them naturally to find that flowers and bloom and stuff. They don't come in. It's just occasional. But in about a month and a half, they will be here in the hundreds. feel like I'm in the jungle with all of these sounds of nature. Yeah, it's, it's peaceful. We got 45 more minutes to kill. Nice. <laughs> Just enjoy it. I hope we get a, at least one whole podcast out of this. It's <laughs> a little less structured today. It is, but it's good. Sun's coming up. Holiday... Not too many cars out driving around right now. Had someone text me the other day in a group text who said something to me about, oh, I, I was searching something and there's a site I don't know if you've ever used it called Restored Gospel. <laughs> I said, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. That's funny. I feel like we have truth available, whether the people always understand it and teach it and read it that way is one thing, but I, I do feel like, I don't know, um, the, the problem is when you get, you know, sometimes we think everything is black and white, like, okay, this is 100% right and this is 100% wrong. But the problem, and those are easy to discern, but the problem is when you get something that's 100% right to something that's almost right and isn't quite right, but those things sound acceptable and pleasing, and then so where does discernment come in? I think every church has a lot of that. It's like, eh, it's almost right, but I don't know. Um, for decades now, I've sort of felt like wherever I worship, I love the people and we're all seeking God in, in a way. And we've all been sort of misled by different things where I don't gauge my, um, my, my happiness gauge isn't so much based on where I feel like I'm attending. But this, the difference is in the last almost 30 years of my life now where 
wherever I go, I always feel like I'm engaged in giving something where I'm, I'm not on the receiving end. I'm teaching or sharing or organizing. And that makes me feel like I have a, a purpose where I'm plugged in to try to, I feel like I can do something in that capacity. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, um, then I can say, well, if it isn't happening, then what can I do to make it better? You know, what can I, how can I participate? So I, so I guess for me, I've, I've not like, I was sharing with someone, a friend yesterday, you know, like a uh, congregation that my membership's at has, I've been with them for well, over 30 years, but my, um, there was a time when I wasn't there when we were in a mission, but you know, the, I've seen this congregation and it's the point go from a Mecca, you know, where putting up extra chairs to probably break even the fire codes and we'd have overflow rooms with TVs going upstairs and downstairs and and then in the back foyer area filling that up with chairs because there's so many people coming and you have this very very large congregation that uh, I can remember after we had been there four years uh, introducing ourselves to some visitors at the potluck was thought hey there's some visitors let's sit down by them and and be friendly and only to find out they had been there about four years and we had never met. The congregation was that big, you know, and you don't find that normally in the right. RLDS Community Christ Restoration world. But that con that congregation has changed like so many over the years, and and now you know it's post COVID stuff. But you know, to have forty people out on a Sunday is probably average right now, and um, just a shadow of in terms of population what it was. But the the people are still sincere, but they're seeking and they're and they're they're needing direction and I sort of feel like I want to I want to stay plugged in because I want the next generation to learn I I feel invested in the next generation to want to share truth with them I mean, like um, I, I love I've got friendships of people who are you know half my age I feel like with their friendships anyhow who um, you know just like you and I we love to talk the gospel and and there's <clears throat> there's in, interesting eager minds who are open to hear the truth who um maybe they're growing up in this time where hey culturally things are crazy but you know what they really really want to find the truth and it's like hey there it's like a fresh set of eyes and ears on the book of mormon in fact that um that encourages me so so i sort of feel like f for me i'm not looking so much in terms of what does the specific congregation do for me i'm looking forward to more like hey what relationships can i you know, develop or mentor. And, and it's like, and it's like, I'm not seeking that as a motive. It's just, I find it's happening, I guess, at the point mm -hmm. is that there's a, there's a way to feel connected to people who are eager and learning. And I love that. I love being in that place, you know? So, so that takes my mind off the dilemma of what's happening in a more traditional role where people are stuck in certain patterns of thought and teaching uh, because I'm just finding there's people who are eager to learn and want to hear the truth. Right. To me, it's worthwhile to at least go to a place where we can read the fullness of the gospel and participate in its study. <clears throat> uh, I think because I do, this isn't meant to, to brag or anything, but because I have my mind focused on things like of eternity and the word during the week and I'm connected that way or in interpersonal relationships like you and I and, and talking about the gospel that my I look to my Sunday or my corporate worship as a, um, a different 
idea. It's a, it's a time to go and worship God and participate in his spirit with others. And so it's like, I want to see him as the mighty savior he is mm -hmm. and worship him as he is. Um, and not so much go to that, that, that moment, those moments of worship aren't my whole religion. That's right. not my religion. It's, it's so, the, but what would you, what would you do if you, um, the ability to teach and, and share is important. What would you do if you didn't have that opportunity? Like, were, you, were there times when you weren't teaching and what did you do those times? Oh, I was in despair for a while. I, I realized that um, of myself, you know, when I, when I wasn't plugged into anything, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard place to be because what I found was, you know, you just, you end up being kind of the judge and jury of the people who are in charge of the congregation mm -hmm. in a sense. And that, I don't know, that doesn't ever seem to be productive. I, I've known people over the years, not personally, but I've just observed people over the years, especially in the restoration who, um, continually kind of float around and, and it's always like, well, we're, we're going to judge and find the place that's right for us. But it's like, they never really arrive because eventually it's it's the act of someone or the words of somebody that offends and then someone goes somewhere else. So I, I don't know. I guess my my whole thing is that we're always, um, we always have to be on guard that we, we see the bigger purpose and not always just see, hey, I, it's all about, I don't know, finding where I feel happy. I, maybe it's like you talked about the prison. Maybe God brings us to places to change us in a sense and maybe that's there's lessons learned. But... I, I long for the day that, you know, you've mentioned that, hey, when there's the one truth, we aren't there. It's not this, it's not maybe in our generation, but it will be. So then I'm, I guess where I'm coming back to is, so what can I do if there's a step I can make with my own life? What can I do to to bring that there? I don't, I don't know. I, it sounds weird, but when I, when I go to church services and stuff anymore, I, I rarely feel like I'm worshiping in the church service. I know that sounds dumb. I like to listen. I like to sing the songs and everything. But when I feel like I'm worshiping, it's in my own private, personal time. It's when I'm on my knees before the sun's up or whatever mm -hmm. outside and listening to the birds sing. And I feel like I'm just connecting with God one-on-one. There are times when I'm in a worship service where I feel like the things that I've heard and said make me feel worshipful. I remember when teaching at Colburn, in fact, previous session their final prophecy after like the first class stayed for the 11 o'clock I think it was Rich Roland speaking I, I still remember that Sunday because I still remember feeling the spirit just touch me several times during that service and just how gratifying that was and just having this broken thankful heart to God in that worship service at Colburn and um, it was something I hadn't felt for a long time and I realized that my feelings of connecting to God personally for some reason don't always happen in our collective worship services mm. together. They happen for me personally, but but I really enjoy that. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's always like that, and because worship should be like that. But for some reason, maybe it's just my state of sinfulness or whatever. I don't know. But um, I had my my mom bless her heart. She was um, uh oh. Yeah. You proceeded with bless your bless her heart. She's so she's that passed us <laughs> passed on now. But you know she. Um, <laughs> she was zealous uh, 
that's one description. But you know, <laughs> she had she she loved the word and loved the gospel, and I just feel bad. She would go to church with the intent of writing down every word of sermon. She could like write shorthand, so she wouldn't miss a word. And um, she she maybe this was her mission, but she felt like to fix the church colon quote quote she had to. Um, correct every misspoken word or whatever that anyone said even even young guys who was their first sermon she'd corner them after church and you know kind of for 15 minutes tell them well you said this right but you didn't say this and it's like she I think she felt like her her whole point was it wasn't it had nothing personally to do with the people she was so um, enamored with the fact that the church had fallen into spiritual um, just dark places, you know, that she wanted to fix that. And, and maybe she felt like any time she could hear something that she felt like wasn't quite right, if she could bring that to someone's attention, it would fix it. I don't think that was the right method. But nevertheless, the only reason I share that is because, you know, she became, she it wasn't in like a, a mad or irritated way, but she was open, positively critical about, everything that happened in every church service at, at times. And I just, I always wondered, I said, can't you just go to church and just like enjoy being there and worship, you know? <laughs> it's like, I don't see that as my mission at all anymore. Um, I I don't know, but I, I, I guess that's why we're doing what we're doing here, Mike, is because there are some ways, some people kind of maybe stuck in traditions and stuck in ways, and because of that, you never hear a different message, and I, it seems to be a popular thing among churches that, in the Restoration specifically, that um, there are a lot of people pretty plugged into thinking only one way, and so pastors keep getting installed who, who think a certain way, and you know, there's sort of a, a way that congregations conduct themselves to maintain the continuity of what they had before, but but there's a lot that's being missed, you mm -hmm. know? and it isn't because of just a pastor. I don't mean that, but I just mean I, that's a, a way of saying in a larger context, there's just a lot of people who are afraid of any change at all. Don't bring up anything that could possibly divide us. And it's like, maybe we need, <clears throat> we just need to know the truth, you know, and that's, that's ultimately what sometimes that means going to prison. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't answer your question. I, just I don't even remember, remember the question. Oh, well, what do you do when you don't teach? <laughs> or yeah, well, and about going to one church or there. Now, I've I've attended more than one time um, churches at like you know large Christian churches where it's it's you know I mean it's a great atmosphere. It's kind of like Starbucks with a chapel. You know, they got great <laughs> great coffee and everything, and the music's always upbeat. And and um, this the messages are largely on to on topic and target where it's. You know, it's a Jesus-centered message and, you know, about what you can do. You always feel like you, you've taken away something you can apply in your life. That's <clears throat> that's one thing I would counsel and share with just ministers of any age in the church is that we've missed sometimes the point of sermons. Sermons need to motivate people to examine their life somehow and change it. You know, it's, uh, teaching has its purpose and sermons have their purpose, but I think in a sermon... Their eyes has to be somehow conveyed this idea that, um, you know, to have a closer walk, a better walk, something about what Jesus did or taught that you can apply in your life. And I know that sounds simple to say it, but it's it's largely, it's never really been taught about our ministers because, or, or taught 
to our ministers and expressed by our ministers because again we get caught up in well it's all about waiting for zion so usually you know if you, in the church growing up if you heard someone mention zion four or five times in their sermon you knew it was a good sermon but i always felt like it wasn't changing me it was just telling me i just got to wait you know mm. and, and i think one of the positives i've seen in the other churches now they're polished they have teams of people working on these messages and choreographed worship music and all these things that you, you sometimes feel like you're at a broadway show it just all mm -hmm. seamlessly goes and and all that can be good too but sometimes the, the problem with some of this though and what's the danger in, in those is because they can be polished and excellently choreographed that that's where you come back and you get where the discernment of well is it all truth or is it some truth and a little bit off and where the little bit off the danger is there's a lot of inward focus in all these like evangelical specifically messages that always comes back to I don't I can't even put it in a sentence but it, it, it makes it like this inward focus about me yeah they talk about it in terms of Jesus but it's always about um, I wish I could think of a good example right now my mind's drawn a blank but I've heard it so many times where it's like it's this oh my brokenness my this and that and the other it's like it's it's like this sort of new age look at you know hey we're just these humans we're here and thankfully we have a, a savior and now just go on your way and you know and uh, get mm -hmm. a cup of coffee on your way out and there's there's no call to change that's the, mm -hmm. the problem there's no there's no recognition of I, I really do need to be broken and contrite and make a conscious decision to change it's just more this just acknowledge there's God all right. you have to do is say you believe in him and go on and it's it's beautiful worship beautiful worship centers all this stuff but it never it never calls for that spiritual commitment it it, it 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 couches it in a commitment hey come on up here and say a prayer with the pastor and then you will take you in a little room we'll give you a book we'll send you on your way and you're saved and it's like there's a hollowness to that in, in all the grandeur of of these beautiful worship centers and in all these teams of people it's like they're still still not on the full target of the message and that's the danger yeah i don't know how some are like that others probably not i i spend a lot of time in coffee shops and i hear little groups uh of people and there's there's a little place i go to that i can tell it's christian owned because there's christian music on it but i hear groups of young girls and and young men and men and girls sitting around the table discussing the scriptures and you know you can tell they're involved in small group type yeah. of thing and, yeah. and they're really oh, trying to live live the i see bibles open all the time right, right. no it's all yeah good. that's no i i think that would get old that poly matter of fact one one of the things that i liked about covid was it changed our worship format where we didn't go through the uh oh a lot of the well a lot of the music was taken out but it was like we gathered together and we opened with the prayer and we got into the because there wasn't a lot of singing, we got into the the word and the scripture, and um, I know a lot of people miss singing, and I understand that, but it was just the fact that our worship flow wasn't the same as it was before, and mm -hmm. so it kind of startles you awake, like, why are we here, and what are we doing, and what uh, can we do? It was just different. 
and I like I like that sometimes because you get used to a habit or a without thinking I guess really the what's behind it mm. but I like your I like your answer to that like I don't and I I've probably we always talk about finding a church closer to our home but one of the, I don't think that the grass is always greener on the other side. That's yeah. why we stayed where we are because we love, you know, we have relationship and we love the people there. And mm-hmm. and we've probably put off finding a, a closer place to worship longer than we maybe should have or could have. But I like that being engaged, though, and, and finding a way to, to give. Right. There's been things we've done in the past that I enjoyed. We we had a small group that would just get together once a week and we'd we'd eat together and we'd have prayer. It was kind of like a prayer we a prayer service but less informal and everybody would go around and get a chance to pray. Yeah, years ago the congregation I was, you know, Parkview did that too, but that all kind of went by the wayside when it was really after a lot of the restoration group formations, uh, you know, Parkview, mm-hmm. Parkview split in many directions because of that. But the, um, I've been, I was part of a small group like that with a, with a non-denominational group for a couple of years. My wife and I attended. It was, you know, just very informal Bible study, and I think it was actually a good effort. What they would do is, you know, the church that organized it. They were real um, efficient in getting like notes made. The, the sermons were always prepared ahead of time, so when you went in there, there was like bullet points of what you were going to hear. But you could take that little piece of paper home, and then the small group would meet, and you know sometimes there'd be a meal or a little snack or mm-hmm. whatever. But there was always kind of sharing, and you, you, you know the whole point is in a large congregation of thousands of people, you feel like you've got a family there, and you're not just alone. So plugs you in on a personal level, but the but the Effort was always um, coordinated with the sermon of that day, so that if I think the small group always met on Sunday night, but they would do some things now and then outside of that time. But so Sunday evening, you get together, and then there would always be four or five questions that the group leader would ask relating back to the sermon that day. And I liked that because I felt like, well, the sermon had to be at least on topic to where there could be a point to have follow-up discussion. I mean, how many times you leave a church service, you don't even remember what was said, right. you know? But um, but that was all coordinated and good. Now, it doesn't have to be like that. You can meet and have a small group and worship and talk about other things, too. But but um, they, that was a that was a good thing. But I, I, what was interesting in that for me, and I, I'm not part of it anymore, but it was for a couple of years, is that I, I never actually told them I was, you know, part of... Uh, Book of Mormon believing group, but I always saw it as my opportunity, and I think some of them knew anyhow, but saw it as an opportunity to just share truth when there was an opportunity. And um, there was always some questions where, you know, about whatever life and death or whatever, that when they came up, I would just tell the answers the Book of Mormon told it, but not tell them I was quoting from the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon. And people would say, Wow, that is so true. That is so clear. You know, it's like that. That makes sense. And um, there, there were even times, and I, and I don't say this like I'm not trying to lift myself up in this. It's just that when people hear truth, they want to hear it. 
there was a couple times when there would be a discussion and I would just kind of hold back and listen and then someone would say, well, I want to hear what Corey says about it because, you know, I want to hear it. And it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It was just simply every answer I was given was something the Book of Mormon said. And I just realized people are hungry for this truth. And I, I found that um, it wasn't like people were in the group were shallow in their faith. Well, maybe there was a couple, but, you know, because I find that in our circles in the Restoration, people are a lot more regularly studied as far as Scripture. You know, we, mm-hmm. as, a, as a people, I'd say we excel in that. We, we're better at reading, but there are some people, too, like you say, you go to the coffee shops, you see people bring their Bible, having their study. You know, people, people love to read the Word anywhere, but I found that um, our people were better at it, and as a, as a cross-section in the evangelical world, you had a few people who were like the the hard scripture people, and you had a lot, a lot more people in the middle who were just like, I'm okay to go with the flow, you know, I know Jesus loves me, and I, I can quote John 3.16 mm-hmm. or whatever. And it isn't about quoting scripture, but when it came down to understanding principles, this is it. I found that there were people there who were always needing it to be explained by someone else. They couldn't explain the principles on their own, you know, other than, well, I believe Jesus died on the cross and he loves me and um, I love him and I'll be with him in eternity. And that's, and that is the message, right? You know, if our love for him is sincere. But yet, um, that's where I found that people in our church, as far as we understand the scriptures and the principles, we're better at explaining those things. But that's where we need to get the message out to our people is come back to read the Book of Mormon and don't try to blend it in with anything else you've heard because that's where we've fallen into dark places. It's just like, I mean, the, and I'm not trying to say, you know, the Bible or Doctrine and Covenants, don't read that. I'm just trying to say, set your foundation there because that's why it was given, because Gentiles stumbled. God wanted us to not stumble. Figure it out there. Figure out the message, and then compare everything to it, and, right. and you won't and you won't go wrong. It is a sure foundation, isn't it? It is. A, it's That's a beautiful. it's a completely trustworthy. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, we don't have the ESV Book of Mormon or the RSV Book of Mormon or the NASB Book of Mormon <laughs> or the NIV Book of Mormon, right? You're right. The New, New International. We we just have the. RCE Book of Mormon, which is, <laughs> yeah. or the original, you know, the original. So it's completely trustworthy. There's no debate about that, and it's put into the best, plainest English for us to understand God as we, we can have. Mm-hmm. You know, you've mentioned debate. It's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard people debate issues from the Book of Mormon. You can debate issues in the Doctrine and Covenants and debate issues in the Bible, and we've had cause for debate, but when it comes down to opening the Book of Mormon, two people can read it and pretty much come away. You know, you you think about the verses in there, there's very few places where it even creates a question of debate, Mm -hmm. the way it's presented. Now you can say, compare that to something else and, and find a reason to debate, but I suppose just when you read it on its own, it doesn't create that atmosphere and environment of debate. Especially the quote Trinity and who God is. Yeah. That yeah. Abinadi was killed for. Yeah, exactly. God himself. God himself. Yeah, that's some foreshadowing for maybe the final class of the series. God himself. God himself. Yeah. Yeah. And when you just read that for what it says, it's like, can we read that and believe it? If we do, it becomes life-changing. 
Mm -hmm. And like kind of how I think we started this conversation back before the sun came up is um, the fact that ultimately there is one truth. And when you know it, it's it's like to, to just keep saying, well, you believe this, I believe something else, and we'll, we'll figure it out in the end. It, if, if we accept that as our position now, it prevents us from sharing who the real powerful, almighty, omnipotent God is and was and what he did for us. We diminish that message. If, if we maybe even totally mute it, you know, in the end. Mm-hmm. And then what do we have to tell? You know, what I've realized is I want to tell this message of this powerful God who took on flesh to become like us so that we could be like him, you know, and that's the only way. That's it, man. The Book of Mormon, God, this is my foundation. These words speak plainly, plain and precious. I'm going to believe these words. And I'm going to try to exercise faith in these words and in the, the one who gave them. And everything else has to join this notion of what's being said here. I'm not going to use anything else to debate and when you do that about, you know, who God is or what's the plan of salvation, it's all very simple. Yeah. You, you just, you can't find anything in the Book of Mormon that says you'll be separated from him in eternity and yet still saved in the kingdom. Yeah, you yeah. Just, you just can't, you can't find anything in there about, you know, two conscious beings. And isn't that encouraging that this, that when you read it for that, it's like, it just gives hope. Mm-hmm. It just gives total hope that no way he he had to do what could only be done with an infinite sacrifice. That was the only thing that could compensate for the infinite nature of my sin, and but that I could be fully restored to him, and and not compromised because of my own weakness, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that's the message that can change people. Well, it's been a good morning, brother. It has been. I enjoy spending the time with you, man. This was a lot more casual, just sitting out here with your feet up and yep. no headphones or mics in front of us. I like it. Well. Are we done? You got to send us out. What, what are we doing here on this planet? Oh, we're in our secret oasis right now, closing out a wonderful conversation like we've had for many years now. I know Mike's doing his fingers, making it look like I'm walking. I'm getting there, I'm getting there. But <laughs> I was just trying to think of how to fit it into the secret oasis. But anyhow, or we're just trying to figure it all out that in the end we're still just walking each other home and he has a plan for us that is beautiful beyond our comprehension. And uh, if we seek him, he will bring us back home. <laughs>